Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. In today's episode, Blaine and Bofo are joined by large cap options trader Darth Trader. They discuss the process of learning to be comfortable in both your winners and losers, how our subconscious thoughts bleed into our real life trading, and that the bridge to consistency is closer than you think. Big thank you to our sponsors, Espanita Tequila, Roback, and Last Bottle Wines. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Enjoy. Hello, Darth. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Um, it has been, I'll start out with saying, it has been a month of Sundays. Oh, gosh. Since we have had a, a ground swelling of crowd support for a guest like we had for you. Um, people have been trying for months and months to get you on. So I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy I can finally be here. I think uh, I've listened to the podcast for a while and, and I, I've been a fan. So it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Oh, we always love it when people come on who've listened to the podcast before. Um, do you have a favorite episode? Really putting you on the spot. No, I, I do. Yeah. Uh, mastering trading psychology with singles and doubles has been, I know it's kind of the, the collective favorite, but I mean, it's that good, yeah. right? So. Yeah. It's, uh, that's our number one, number one episode of all time. Can you name mm. another one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the, uh, the episode with Rodesa as well. Um, Rodesa. Jason Spadafora. Or, oh, Rodessa. Rodessa. Rodessa yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His yeah. his insights into the market, the way that he views the market, and his overall personality is just a. It seems like a pretty chill guy. I really liked his his episode as well. Bo. Yes. Hello. Hello. What's your stress level post internet meltdown? Oh, um, I'm great today. I had a great trading day. It was a busy work day, but the great trading day really set today on the right track. I love that. So I have a notorious record for being red on summer Fridays. Mm. Yeah, I was worried about that today, actually, because so my Internet's been out for two days straight. Right. This is my only trading day before I go to a work conference Monday and Tuesday next week. So this was just teed up to be a nasty day if I let it, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. My husband works from home on Fridays and we share this wall. Like he's in the other room in our guest bedroom and then I'm in my office. And he is so freaking loud. Like he gets on the phone with his like boss or I don't even know who he's talking to. And he's like, bah, bah, bah. it just grinds my gears and I cannot like stay calm in a trade. Plus, I think volumes lighter on people got to get to the Hamptons or whatever, you know, people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I made like two hundred and thirty dollars on one trade today and was like, Hell I got to stop. Yeah. That's some good. Friday you know what I mean? Right like, I got to get out. I got to pull the ripcord because mm. the worst thing that would happen would be to have a really good trade and then be like, I can make more. Yeah. And then. Yeah. End up right. Always get you. Always. Um, so, Bo, looking snazzy today. Yeah, you like what this? What do you have on? I'm wearing my yeah. fly new Roback gear. It's my new favorite stuff. Um, I'm actually playing golf on mm-hmm. Sunday where I will wear this again. Well, there you go. Now, is that a short sleeve? Yeah, this is a short, le- short sleeve polo. And so here's yeah. the thing about golf polos, right? Like a lot of times they have these like long ass sleeves. Like they're not. They're not made for people that are, I don't know, fit and active. And I think that's what I like most about Roback is it's like it's active where, you know, that they just kind of do golf. So um, I love how it fits. This stuff Wait, is so does it stuff. like it hugs the bicep a little bit there? I mean, I look pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yes. Because if you go into a typical pro shop and I am a pro shop connoisseur. Love approach. Never like to spend money anywhere more than a pro shop. I need all the swag. But those golf shirts, like a, a Peter Millar or whatever, have a lot of a lot of yeah. give in the sleeve. I guess you understand why, like if you're swinging stuff. But like the other problem is they come way down here too. But this stuff, I mean, this is as stretchy and mobile as it gets. Like this is not going to constrict you. 
at all. So I love it. I, it's my new favorite thing. Okay, so I also am wearing mine, which is very funny that we did not discuss this. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, we want to thank Roback for partnering with us on the Penny Lane Pod and sending us all this swag. I'm a massive fan. I also, so I have a lot. These are my favorite shirts to wear in um, like fall and winter because in Atlanta it never gets super cold and I'm a I'm a big oh, fan yeah, of these the thumb, guys. The thumb hole things, yeah. Yep, yep. And then I love a little. Is this a quarter zip? Yeah, it's quarter zip. It's called. Love that. Love this. And this it's so stretchy and breathable, which I really like. And I have my hat, which I was wearing last night at the pool, and I got a lot of like. Hey, like people knew the brand. Yeah, and I know, I was like, right? oh, what's up? Yeah. Pretty sick. Anyway, we it, like, um, we is this, is this an episode about Darth or about Roback? <laughs> it's only been six minutes and 27 seconds, which is about how long I allow for a little intro. We're getting right to Darth, but I do want to wrap it up by saying that we allow, we love Roback. And since we are partners with them now, we have a discount code for you guys. However, it is a new partnership and we are still waiting on that affiliate link and discount code. But by the time this episode airs, it will be in the episode notes. So just go scroll down below the episode and you'll see. And I buy this because it's amazing, but then also it's a sweet discount code. So make sure you use that. Seven minutes in, like clockwork. Darth. Walk us through how you got into trading. Yeah, so um, I'm actually pretty young. Uh, I did just turn 24 July 7th. Um, so I'm definitely in the, in the younger crowd of the, of the traders out there now. But I got, in, I got into the markets in 2019 when I was in college. Um, I played sports in college, so I was a basketball player in my collegiate career. Um, and I think just being a competitor is something that has always spoken really deeply to me. Um, I'll probably be the first person to use your affiliate link because I just started golfing in the past two years. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely hooked. Um, I'm obviously not too good yet, but I, I go often. So I'm hey, going to have to get me. Look good, look good. Nice. You're about to have that drip. I agree completely. I agree. I agree completely. Um, also, you played college basketball. I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did play college basketball. This is of interest to both me and Bo. Did you have a specific uh, sneaker that you thought performed well on the court? Yeah, I only wore Kobe's when I played basketball. So I, I wore the Kobe Bryant sneaker line for the Nike shoes like my whole career. Those are so slick and mm-hmm. clean. Big, big, big fan of those. Okay. Yeah, so that, that kind of just rolled into taking that competitive mindset towards other things. So um, I, was, I was approaching school with, with a veracity in regards to my education and, and trying to get good grades. And, and after I stopped playing basketball, I actually got injured um, in my third year and broke my wrist for the third time since high school. Um, so I just kind of decided that I needed to move on to the next, the next phases of my life. And that competitive drive never left. And I don't exactly remember how I got into the markets, but I began trading like large cap stocks just on the side, like buying some shares of Apple here and there and trying to make some money as a, as a young college student. Um, I I got to go corny here, but would mm-hmm. you say that you have a Mamba mentality? Uh, I definitely, I mean, I have the book. It's in my top 10. Um, okay. I'm not, if you're familiar with Tim Grover, um, any of his philosophy, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's trainer. Um, he categorizes competitors as, as cleaners, uh, closers, and coolers. And I don't know if I'm a cleaner quite yet, but I'm working on it. It's definitely, Wait, it's definitely what book is this? Uh, it's called Relentless by Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. How to make a little note of that. Yeah. I wonder yeah, if I can get it before my trip. It's a phenomenal book. There's some podcasts out there, too, that, that go into depth on the, on the idea of it. But basically, um, cleaners just don't. They, they, they have an obsession with their goals and, and, and they don't, they put nothing else before that. And as much as that doesn't really sound balanced to some people, I think that that mindset that I had in sports and that, that directly translated into the market. Um, uh-huh. 
so I might not have a mama mentality yet, but I am working on it. Um, Cleaners, closers, and what's the third? Coolers. Cool. Can you tell us what the mm-hmm. other two are? Yeah, so cleaner is basically the epitome of, you know, Michael Jordan's a, a, a cleaner. Tiger Woods is a cleaner. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick is a cleaner. Uh, some coolers in sports are going to be people Wait, that, wait, wait, but what does that mean? Yeah, so they're the relentless competitor, right? Like the okay. level of detail and attention to your process that it takes to succeed in any field at the highest level, that's how I approach my trading. And I think that's a big reason why the community that I'm in wanted me to be on the podcast because that's what I preach consistently. It's it's approaching your process with the highest level of respect and dedication and understanding that when you do that, usually the results are just going to work out in your favor. Um, that would be a closer and then a, and, or a cleaner. And then a closer is going to be somebody that you just, you know, they can take the last shot in a game here and there, but you can't rely on them to win you championships. Um, they show up to work on time and they leave on time, but they don't show up 15 minutes early and they don't leave 15 minutes late. And those people are necessary in organizations, but those people, um, they don't become CEOs. You know, they don't become six-figure traders. They just, they just stay average, and that's okay. But it's not, that's not where I'm aiming. Um, and then, of course, you have your, your coolers who are just the average person, basically, for the philosophy of the Tim Grover thesis. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. So but a closer is not an average person. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, closers and is is couldn't even be categorized as. Um, I would say that um, there's not many people in life that that anyone knows that's actually a closer. You know, if you if you're a golf fan and you look at the way Tiger Woods approached his preparation and his process, and you've watched his like ten part series that just released and everything that went into the details of him perfecting his golf game, um, the mental game is really what set him aside. His 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 course management is what set him aside, and that stuff all started in his mind. Um, And I think that plays a beautiful parallel to trading. Well, we on the Penny Lane podcast are obsessed with golf and trading Mm -hmm. and the parallel between the two. Um, That story about um, Tiger Woods being at the top of his game and then tearing down and rebuilding his swing, like God, let me be that dedicated to something. To be yeah, like, I oh, I'm in the I'm in the top ninety nine percent, and I got to take it back to twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I think that that relative philosophy kind of applied to my trading journey. So I'm sure people want to hear that. Got into the markets in 2019, more or less. Um, was was thankful to be a uh, beneficiary of probably the greatest bull run we've seen in a very long time. Right. Um, I, I joined Atlas when I believe there was like fifteen thousand people at the time which I thought was a ton, but then, you know, years later, there was like 300,000 people in there and everything that went on in 2020. But basically, I, I made the majority of my money trading small caps, um, growth names throughout that 2020 time frame, um, and then got into options in 2021. Um, I actually did what I think most people should never do, and I went full-time too early. Um, didn't really have the guidance or, or anything like that in my personal life to be telling me what I should be doing in regards to my career. So I felt like at the time, uh, I'm making a lot more money than I would have ever expected in my life at this point, trading successfully. Uh, and I took that jump. In the first six months, I like to tell people to summarize, my first day full time was January 6, 21, which was the day the Capitol um, was rioted. So that was my first day full time. Um, and basically, for that next six months, I went through the ringer of what the average trader goes through consistently in regards to um, not managing risk effectively, not having confidence in my system and my strategy, um, coming to options and, and seeing people hitting 20 to 30 percent gains in a matter of, you know, a couple minutes and feeling like that is the reality. Um, and it was it was a very, very difficult process to finally break through that plateau of a struggling trader who I felt like. I put everything on the line and became full time, um, and then and then felt like I was just a, a beginner all over again trading options. And I, and I think a lot of people have gone through something like that in the options field specifically. Um, but thankfully, I over time with with some some positive mentors in the trading community was able to get through that six months and start to find consistency trading, spying QQQ and a couple large caps here and there.
Did you trade, speaking of Rodessa, did you trade with Rodessa in Atlas back in the day? Yeah, so I actually, ironically enough, I've, I've kind of had a natural affinity, to, in a sense, for trading. Um, I think that my competitive background translated very naturally into the realm of trading and understanding what it took on a day-in and day-out basis to, to really apply myself to be great at it. Um, so I, I was really successful in, in small caps and growth names when I was in Atlas. Um, I was on the Momo floor a ton back when, like I remember when Palmer was working at Chuck E. Cheese and was still starting in like a small account and all those guys um, over there. And, and yeah, he. it's been really awesome for me to kind of see a natural transition from that realm to large cap options and kind of see, you know, Maple Stacks and Rodessa and myself all kind of just follow that natural, natural transition almost together in a way, but mm -hmm. without knowing it. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, that there was a lot of at, kind of a mass exodus of small cap memo traders into options. And it seemed to always to almost happen, you know, at the same time. And then it does seem in the last few months that there's been kind of a return Mm -hmm. a lot of options traders back to small caps. And I guess you just have to follow wherever the cleanest trades are. But I, I have found options and small cap trading to be incredibly different in a great, wonderful way. And I don't think that I'll ever go back. Unfortunately, it's called the penny lane podcast it's supposed to be a penny stocks <laughs> trader, but like, I don't know. I just, I I just have really found my home in the options. Yeah, that's that's where I'm. That's where I'm always going to be at moving forward. I, I know that I'll make a transition to futures in the in the future. Um, future. And we have a lot of really really successful futures traders in Moneyline, and they're always in my ear to to come over to the dark side. They say, but uh, yeah, that that's for the future. Because yeah, there was a mass exodus from from small caps to. To options, and I think that when I was going through that process, I just asked myself, um, if I was going to treat this like a business because it is, how could I scale it the most effective manner long term so that consistent profitability can be something that's attainable on a week in and week out basis? And um, when I realized I could, you know, take 10, 20, 30 percent base hits on large cap options pretty much no matter the season. And there's typically always volume somewhere in large caps. And uh, I just don't think I'll ever go back to getting hit with offerings ever again, but. <laughs> totally. So you mentioned QQQ. What's your, mm -hmm. what's your, you know, Dr. Bullshark loves the Qs. The Qs yeah. made him a millionaire. What's mm -hmm. your bread and butter stock? Uh, QQQ as well. So I actually have a pretty, I don't want to necessarily say unique trading style, but I don't see many people trade the way that I do. Um, I'm If you're in Moneyline and you listen to this, you know I stress the term naked trading all the time because I use no indicators when I trade. Um, I watch a 15 and five minute price chart, which is pretty common, but I, tr I strictly trade supply and demand zones with no indicators, no outside. I don't watch news. I don't look at anything like that. I strictly trade price action. Um, and the cues are my bread and butter as well, because when tech moves smoothly, um, it's, it's pretty darn easy to trade, to be honest. Cool. Very cool. So do you ever like, if tech is moving well, will you ever break off into like an Apple or a Microsoft or you just, you're like, if one thing's moving, they're all like. Cues are easier. Yeah, I think that so um, a big a big part of my trading process that I, I think people are interested in um, and that they really wanted to hear me talk about is the level of patience and, and discipline and dedication to my system and, and to a mindset and a philosophy about trading that I just try to live day in and day out. So I really stress to people like, you know, I, I watch the indices first to get confirmation of taking trades on equities. It's how I learned how to trade. Um, I need to see strength in the broader market before I look at individual names to trade them. And it's not necessarily that that is the right way to trade. It's just that that's the way that works for me. So if SPY and QQQ are flat on the day, I don't necessarily feel the need to trade anything else because 
the broader market isn't isn't ranging today. And taking taking zero to two setups per day, taking really high quality setups with options with size on the indices and, and managing risk effectively is is really typically where I stay because um, I really like to emphasize the concept of silencing noise because I tell people in Discord all the time that a lot of their issues are that complexity is, is the enemy of execution. Um, they're they're overcomplicating their process and in in the trading process daily they're thinking all day they're, they're thinking about what they should be doing, thinking about their rules and thinking about oh I missed this setup and I missed that setup but. I personally just don't care if I miss any setups because I know over time that it's not my job to to stress over all the setups I miss. It's, it's really just my job to manage risk over a series of trades and the setups that, that work for my system. Perfect. Uh, let's pause quickly for a commercial break. Irrational exuberance? When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail and free shipping, We live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty, and we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine every day at Black Swan event prices, usually 30 to 70% off until poof, it's gone. Whether you're a pound-the-table type, think ultra-crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web, and they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners. Use promo code PENNY10 to save 10% on your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only. I, I basically am just a large cap Momo trader. Like I trade uh, the indices, large caps, 5, 10, 15 minute time frames with minimal risk, and I take my I take my base hits on options. Some it's a pretty simple strategy, but I think that a lot of people are missing that in their trading. Well, thank you for really condensing that down for us. Would you want to just walk us through sort of your strategy a little bit more with some details? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Um, more or less for me, I, I, I stress in, in the community all the time that Trading is fundamentally about having a system with a positive expectancy over time. Um, There's a million ways to make a million in the market. It's just that fundamentally most people struggle with having a system that they trust, that they can rely on, um, that they're intimate with in the sense that they don't try to deviate from their system, right? So I know personally that I learned how to trade by manually charting supply and demand zones on ES and NQ futures, and then co- trading the corresponding chart of SPY and QQQ. Um, I basically trade my supply and demand zones and I don't trade anything else. Uh, as much as I have the technical skills to, to recognize a double top middle of the day, if we're not in a supply or demand zone, I, I typically am not trading. Um, and that's because Supply and demand fundamentally is how the market moves, right? The auction process facilitates trade. There has to be a buyer for every seller. And when there's an imbalance of buyers, price goes up. When there's an imbalance of sellers, price goes down. So my focus day in and day out is taking minimal risk setups in supply or demand because when we're in supply, it means we're more or less buying puts at the bottom. And when we're in demand, we're more or less buying calls at the bottom relative to the options chart. Wait, I want to ask you, can, mm-hmm. can you just say that a little more slowly? Because supply and demand, I find a little confusing. So yeah. if a queue, if the queues come down to a supply zone on a bearish day, what do you do? So it's going to be price action dependent. Um, everything that I do is based on price action, and, and I'm an intuitive trader, and it's really contextual. So the way that I view supply and demand zones are imbalances in in orders between market participants. So if I can identify a demand zone, that really just means to me that there's a potential for unfilled buy orders in this zone to be present. Meaning if price touches demand and we start to base and we start to rally out of it, that's a long signal for me because it confirms that 
buyers were in demand. However, that's contextual. So the number one issue I see with most people learning supply and demand and most people that trade supply and demand is that they fail to do the proper work to learn the nuances of price action, the nuances of trend structure, right? Like if we're forming lower highs and lower lows into demand, the probability of this setup working instantaneously, you know, catching a falling knife, it's not very high. If we're forming lower highs and lower lows into demand, but we start to base on a five or 10 minute time frame, and maybe we get like a doji at the lows. If we take the break of that candle's high and we risk the bottom, at least we have confirmation, you know, like singles and doubles says, I wait for a five minute candle close before I buy the bottom, or I wait for a couple green five minute candles before I buy the bottom. It's, it's really contextual. And I think that's why supply and demand can be such a difficult strategy to teach. Um, but essentially when you're buying calls inside of demand, the, the underlying value of the option has been going down. So when, when price begins to reverse on the actual chart, the options are going to gain delta and premium as, as, as the price goes up very rapidly because we're not already on an uptrend, if that makes sense. So are you, a, um, <clears throat> like when you're, when you're entering and managing a position, are you usually buying your full position at once or do you scale in? Yeah, so I am um, a full position at once trader. So when I enter a trade, I trade strictly with a fully structured plan that I follow, and then I don't touch any buttons after I enter the trade. So um, I, I identify my stop loss, I identify my profit target. Once I'm in the trade, it's out of my control at that point. It either hits my stop loss or it hits my profit target. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. You don't scale out it at all? Like, or what if it gets close to your profit like very close and then slows down like but you're you're just completely hands off like one of two things is going to happen 90 90 percent of the time when i'm in a trade um i'm i'm not touching it until it hits either my profit target or my stop loss and and there's a lot of philosophy and, and psychology on this concept and i think that a lot of traders really struggle with with this idea, right? Because the pain and pleasure response that we're all struggling with on an intraday basis, the, the reality is most traders are uncomfortable in their winning trades. And they're actually pretty comfortable holding their losing trades. Like traders will take profit at 10% and they'll hold a loser down to 50%. So when they say, I'd love to be in winning trades, like the, <laughs> the reality is in your results. And the truth is, if you look at your statistics, most retail traders actually win more than they lose but when they win, they don't win nearly as much as they lose when they lose. Um, so the truth is you're not comfortable in your winning trades. If you were comfortable in your winning trades, you'd be holding them for longer. And if you're uncomfortable in your losing trades, you'd actually be getting out when you're supposed to get out. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really designed the psychological framework to understand that when I'm in a winning trade, I ex- that's what I expected. That, that was my thesis the entire time. Um, there's no need that if I expected it to hit my profit target, why would I get out early? What broker do you use? I use Thinkorswim and Weeble. I, I trade two different accounts. Do you have it set up so that when you place your order, both both stops for I guess go in at the same time, or do you go in and manually? place it on like the active ladder or I know people in Weeble have the big buttons. How yeah. do you, how do you enter all of that? Yeah. I, I rarely ever bracket order. Um, I, I, I limit orders. So I buy the, I buy the ask actually on all my options, uh, trades on Weeble since it's commission free. And then I do that. I just active trade. I buy it at the market on thinkorswim. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm mental stops and then I'm mentally taking profit. Whenever I enter a trade, I typically set alerts at my stop loss and an alert at my profit target. And then that just kind of holds me mentally accountable, right? I can't, I can't see an alert go off and see price hit my, hit my stop loss and, and not be honest with myself and get out of the trade. Why two brokers? Are you... Uh, I trade two separate accounts and I, I chart on Thinkorswim. Um, and I looked at my commissions for the prior year and I decided I was going to be trading options on Weeble from now on because it's pretty much commission free. So, yeah. So you just, you just have thinkorswim up to chart on, you just don't execute trades on. I'll take equity trades on thinkorswim. Um, I'll take size and equity, 
Um, I've, I've traded SQQQ quite a bit throughout the, the bear market on Thinkorswim, but 95% of my options trades are on Weeble now because of commissions. Gotcha. Where do you hang out during the day? I mean, where are, are you? In, in regards to trading community? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Moneyline. Uh, it's a Discord community that basically trades large cap options. Um, I think they're probably the ones that had tweeted at you guys to to get me on the show because I've done some some YouTube videos and some some psychology talks, and I think that's the the that's what most people want to hear from me. They want to hear that the psychological side of trading um, and and teaching supply and demand, since that is my my niche. I haven't heard of Moneyline. Yeah, a bunch of great traders in there. We've got uh, Max Udit in there, who's, who's I think, probably one of the best futures traders out there. He's he's proven with his, his brokerage statements. He took 5K to 4 million in, I want to say, a couple months trading futures. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. I'm, I'm not anywhere near that level, but there's some phenomenal traders in there, a great, great community. Awesome. What benefit do you get from trading in a community? To me, the trading's a lonely process sometimes, right? Like I, I'm, totally. I'm, I'm full time. Um, I'm young, and I've I've been in a lot of different communities, and and it's not that I think there's anything wrong with a lot of communities out there. I, I have a lot of, of reverence and respect for everyone that came before me in regards to to fintwit and, and floor traders and everyone that's trying to make a living, or or a side hustle in the markets. It's it's not easy, um, and and a lot of people. You know, there's there's no barriers to entry. You can open a brokerage account. You can throw five hundred bucks in. You can you can follow someone on Twitter, and you can think this is the easiest thing in the world. But what you come to realize in time is that it's not. It's really difficult, and and the process can really consume you. And I, I see a lot of traders get consumed in that process. I, at one point, throughout struggling to become consistent, was was completely consumed in that process. And it's very easy to feel like you're alone and like there's there's no one that's really out there to help you in the in the trading world, um, but I I I've been in a, def, a bunch of different communities and and a lot of people love to you know post alerts and I think there's a a place for that, um, but when I found Moneyline and it became a community of sharing knowledge and sharing market context and talking out the market intraday as opposed to alerting setups and alerting trades it. Um, it just it just clicked with me because I, I didn't ever find a community in the past that was more focused on the process of trading and the educational side of trading and holding each other accountable. Um, just last night, we were on voice for like three hours, everyone talking about originally trading, but it, it broke off into life because there's, there's good people inside of a good community. And, and that's really what I look for. Have you met these people in person? Uh, there's some people in there that I know in real life, um, but the people that are in the discord that created it originally, we haven't met in person, but we do have a, a Vegas meetup planned in a couple months. Nice. So we will be meeting in person soon. And some of them do know each other in person and, and meet, but I'm a West coaster and on the opposite side of the world to most of them. So, oh. uh, how tall are you? I'm six, three. Ah, okay. Great. I've been wondering that since yeah. the very Did beginning. Did you? Yeah. Did you break your wrist falling on the court, like in a game? Uh, the first two times I broke it, um, I got undercut going up for a dunk in transition, um, and the third time was just playing defense. It was just a, it was just a freak accident. But yeah, both the first two times were were dunking. It wasn't. It's was a pretty nasty break too. Do you have residual pain from that? I do, yeah. When I try to do like power cleans or hang cleans in the gym, they uh, it's not very comfortable. I gotta go pretty light. So, what was your actual injury? Like, d did you break one of your forearm bones, or was it actually in the wrist? It was in the wrist. Yeah, um, it's. I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's the wrist, the the bone wrist that's closest to the thumb, so it doesn't really get much blood flow or oxygen. Um, and it took months to heal both times. It was pretty, and it was on my dominant hand, so kind of tough to, to shoot a basketball when your right when your right arm is broken, right wrist is broken. Uh, I had a so one of the reasons I got into trading in 2020 was because I ruined my wrist on a power clean. It's funny you mentioned that, and um, I had to have like reconstructive surgery too. So I had like four like cast up to here, 
like four different casts in a row. And so I just had nothing to do but sit here and just watch the market. So <laughs> we, we have that in common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a reason to get obsessed about it, though. Yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. All right. Let's pause for another commercial break. All right. Hi, guys. I wanted to introduce you to our new sponsor, Espanita Tequila. They sent me some bottles to try, and this is, you know, the unopened one, but I think it's so lovely. I love their branding. It's so clean and fun, and I just think it's beautiful. I also have tried the tequila, and it is very good. Like, I really like just a tequila and soda or just tequila on the rocks. I really like tasting the tequila, and I think that this tastes great, has a great aftertaste. And, you know, tequila's popularity is really on the rise. All my friends now are drinking tequila and soda when they used to drink vodka and soda. So if you want... If you want to try that, you can certainly try this brand. They're doing very cool things as a company, and you can click the link in the bio and find out more. All right, Darth, I have to ask. Um, your name has to be a Star Wars reference, yes? Has yeah, it is. It is a Star Wars reference. Cool. Did you just, it was like, oh, let me think of a name, or are you? have you embodied some of the character <laughs> yeah uh you know we were just talking about anonymity the other day in the community and honestly i tell people all the time like i'm the same person in real life that i am um on a podcast or in the discord so i don't mind the anonymity um but i de i definitely try to embody it a little bit i won't lie because it's 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 tough right like to be able to balance being a normal human being on the side but then having these aspirations to be like the, the black mamba in basketball or be um I, I really view the market as a mental game um jared tendler would probably be, honestly be the second favorite podcast i ever had from you guys um and staying in that a game mental state right that really is what facilitates our ability to trade well uh, if you have a system with a positive expectancy over time your ability or inability to stay in your a game mental state and having that clearly defined really facilitates your ability to be consistently profitable or not. And when I was making an Abbey for the sake of anonymity, I wanted it to be something that represented that idea, that idea of staying so focused on my process and so focused on being the most disciplined trader alive, because that's my goal. Um, that was just what spoke to me, and I'm a Star Wars fan, so yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun how Vader and Trader rhyme yeah you know, the fine. play on words it, it works out for me <laughs> do you so for me when i think about like discipline being psychologically prepared for the market focus all of that stuff it's you have to do those things and work on those things even outside of the market right like so what do you do or maybe you don't agree with this. You could totally disagree. But what do you do like outside of trading that has nothing to do with trading that you think benefits your ability to be in the zone when you are at your setup? So bear with me because it, it might be a bit of a um, drawn out answer, but this kind of hits exactly in the field of, of where I specialize. So I preach consistently that everything we do in life really does bleed into the things that we're passionate about and subconsciously bleeds into our actions, thoughts, and behaviors about life in general. Um, I personally have a very intensive fitness routine. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very dedicated to my nutrition and into meditation, into reading. Um, I've been a fan of the idea of manifestation and what it does for human beings for a very long time. I've read Think and Grow Rich, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Um, I just ordered Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, and that's one that I want to get into. Psycho-Cybernetics. Psycho um, all of these books, all of these ideas, they, they deal with the subconscious mind. Um, they deal with the impact the subconscious mind has on the conscious mind. And I believe our actions and our habits really reflect in our trading. So if you're the type of person that says, I'm going to go for a run and then at 5 a.m. you see your running shoes and you pull the covers back up over your shoulder and you go back to bed. 
you're kind of setting yourself up to, to probably not have a very good trading day because you really can't trust yourself to do the things on a day-to-day basis that you should be doing or that you told yourself you'd do. Um, so lifting, sports, fitness, uh, reading. I'm, I'm really big into education, so I study a lot. I'm not in school anymore, but I'm always constantly looking for ways to, to improve my intellect, to improve my understanding of things, and to be objective. Um, and I really preach an idea in the discord that, that resonates with people. And, and that's that there's three things in, in competition or in, in life that really fuel our ability to succeed, succeed or not. Um, and that's purpose, process, and perspective. So I think for a lot of traders, um, they spend a lot of time working on the technicals and, and defining what their process should look like to them. And that's kind of a never-ending cycle, right? Because there's a million ways to make a million because someone's strategy is working today, someone else's strategy is working tomorrow, and you get caught in this flux of always feeling like it's so close yet it's so far. Um, but I think most people's purpose isn't, isn't aligned appropriately. They don't go into the market each day expecting to be disciplined. They don't go into the market each day expecting to only take their setups or, or having the intentional intensity to to sit there and be patient until those things happen and to not do anything else. And a lot of that comes from having the wrong perspective, right? Trading is supposed to be easy. I made a bunch of money when I first started. Um, All these other people are making money, so I should just be able to take call outs and I should be able to make money too. Um, But at the root of it all, my purpose as a trader is to be disciplined every day so that at the end of the trading day, I can be proud of how I traded. So that I, I don't look back at my trading and say, well, I had a plan to trade Tesla or SPY and QQQ today, but when Tesla started ripping, I completely abandoned that plan because I saw the opportunity to make money. It's like, no, actually, that's not how it works. And maybe that will work out for you once. But if you do that over time consistently, you're really setting yourself up for some psychological challenges because you can't trust yourself. You can't trust yourself to cut your losses where you said you would. You can't trust yourself to trade your system appropriately. And you don't have a reason to trust yourself because in your outside life, you're not, you're not acting on your best processes. You're not waking up and running like you said you would. You're not waking up and posting a pre-market plan like you know you should. So I stress it consistently. Like My trading routine each morning is, is, is outlined in stone. And when I don't follow that, when I don't wake up and go for a run and make some food and come back and meditate and then type out a fully structured pre-market plan of exactly what I quote unquote expect to potentially happen if then statements in the market, I'm not setting myself up for success. And I think a lot of traders would be doing themselves a massive benefit if they'd start setting themselves up for success more instead of going into each day expecting something that's it's not really reality. So do you have any trading demons or like psychology demons like if you're gonna screw up like what is that gonna be for you like what is your like what is that thing that's like just waiting to buy you yeah so i've i'll be honest i've i've gone through the ringer like i i have the, a very very tactical approach to things when i put when i when i take on endeavors um and it used to be cutting my losses right before i was consistently profitable the number one thing that prevented me from becoming consistent consistent was my ability inability to cut losses where I said I would. Once I made that that decision that I will never ever again take a loss further than where I said I would, I started becoming consistent and I started realizing that the, the biggest challenge for me day in and day out at this point hasn't hasn't been one thing. I've actually moved past the point of struggling with just this one thing that prevents my trading. Um, it's the constant ability to stay intentionally focused day in and day out. Um, I, I'm, I don't blow up accounts. Like I'm, I'm, I follow the same rules day in, day out. I do not deviate from them. And I haven't deviated from them for, for months and months and months and months now. Um, but the number one thing that gets me is a lack of, of proper preparation. If I'm not taking my process seriously, then I don't have the confidence to take setups. Um, I don't have the confidence to stay in for the full move. So I trade a lot on a 15-minute time frame. So I'll be holding some of these options trades. Like if we don't hit my profit target, I'm in it overnight. That's how I trade. So 
I really, I really struggle sometimes with, with being able to execute all of the setups I should be executing if I don't come into the market with the proper focus. And although that's not trading specific per se, it's not the typical answer. It's at this point, it's one of those things that um, I know what needs to be done every day. I, I know I need to type out a pre-market plan. I know I need to be patient, only wait for my setups. But it's easy to get caught up in the noise and it's easy to get caught up trading the, you know, whatever's running today. And that's where I'm at with, with what I struggle with. But what's the thing waiting to get you? Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think for me right now, uh, the biggest thing that is waiting to get me is. So I have a hard time being wrong. Um, and so this this really only bites me at this point at this point in my career when I'm trying to trade something that is not my typical strategy or vehicle or or whatever like those are the times that I tend to get like more backwards than I should I'm pretty good at this point on the stuff that I trade every day to like realize like when I'm wrong I need to cut and you know kind of reset um so like the the dings that I've taken more recently have have definitely been on stuff that like I sh should have been trading to begin with you know um, and because I'm a scalper and um, I'm in and out of trades really quickly, um, a challenge for me, like when trying to size up, for example, is like I'll, I'll this is a problem with size, probably with, with any strategy. But um, when you think about taking size, right, and you think about the fear associated with it, um, you're on one hand, you're eager to hit that size. You're eager to make money on that new, bigger size. So you like you want to be in the trade, but you're scared to hit it on the dips when you should be hitting it on. So then you see it stuck back up and you're like, oh, I missed it. Let me still hit it. And then your entry is poor. It's a snowball effect when you when you do that. So I think that's my biggest issue right now with sizing up. So that's kind of two answers for you, but they're both. Yeah, different. no. Um, Darth, would, would you have any advice for Bo on his issue? Yeah, I, I tell people in Discord all the time, I think that a lot of these, these problems get solved when, when we start to shift the paradigm that we exist in with our, with our trading, right? So I stress all the time, like I'm, I'm never watching my P&L when I'm in a trade. So sizing up for me is a function of my account value. And, and I keep, I never take any trade with more than 5% of my account value, right? So if you're if, if struggling to size up or struggling to, to take the execution and then you missed it, so then you feel like you need to take this one. What really grounded me in my process, and I think this varies for everyone, right? Jared Tendler is arguably the, the most masterful person out there in, in breaking down the nuances of exactly why it is you're struggling and, and how to how to nail that at the root so that you can prevent it from occurring. Um, but I also make the the suggestion that we have to start changing how we think about trading, changing how we how we view being successful in the, in the trading arena. Um, I stopped struggling with the ability to size up when I started viewing every single thing I was doing as only good or bad based on whether I was disciplined enough to follow the plan that I had before I entered the trade. So as long as I'm taking a trade with the appropriate size relative to my account, like, where is the hesitation, right? You, you know exactly what your risk is. And if you've accepted that you won't know what trade's going to work, you have no way of knowing which trade will work next, then the only thing you're really capable of controlling is how much you lose and whether or not you follow your plan. Um, and like I said, that's, that's how I trade. So once I made that mental shift to... This trade is not a winner or loser based on how much money I make. And this day is not a good day based on whether it's green or red. Each trade and each day is, is successful based on whether or not I did the things that I know I need to do, whether I prepared appropriately, whether I executed efficiently based on my rules. Um, and that really has allowed me to detach from feeling fear of missing a move or feeling the pressure of making or losing money because... I'm only upset with myself after a trading day if I didn't follow my rules or, or trade my specific system and process appropriately. Interesting. Let's take one last commercial break. 
Bo. Blaine. We're hat twins. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm so excited that we're sponsored by Roback now. I have been wearing my gear ever since it came in the mail, and I love the colors, but I especially love this little dog. I wore him to the pool last night, and people were giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is awesome. I had um, heard about it before and always wanted some, but now that I have it, it has exceeded all of my expectations. Is this your first time receiving a gift in the mail from a company and like opening it and checking out the product? Uh, it might be. It certainly is associated with the podcast. I was, I, I have gotten those before and I was blown away by the quality of this product. It far exceeded what I thought that it would be. And I truly think I'm just going to like live in it all fall. Yeah. It's so comfortable. Yeah. I, I've been playing golf a lot this summer. And so I like all my golf gear. But the thing about golf shirts is like the sleeves are always too long and they're always too baggy. And like, you know, I'm relatively in shape guy. So this fits me perfectly. I still have full range of my arms to swing a golf club. And like I could wear this doing anything, not just golf. Like they got hoodies they got quarter zips it's like nice and stretchy i love every single thing i got me too me too i love it it all looks so good together it's part of a set and i feel so thrilled to be able to offer our listeners a 20 percent off code which is penny 20 <laughs> all right so you go to roback.com which is r-h-o B-A-C-K dot com and you just enter Penny 20. You get 20% off and thank us when your order arrives because it's lovely. You also know how much I love uh, opening experience. Like I'm, I'm such a snob about packaging and the way things are presented and it was a treat. Yeah, the shit's awesome. I'm not like, yeah. don't even have to like, I would just promote this to anybody regardless of a sponsor or whatever because this shit slaps. Also, you've already been like low-key pumping out the Penny 20 to your closest friends because you really believe in it. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm sending this to all my friends because it's shit I think that they're going to want anyways. So, you know, why not take advantage of the discount and rep it everywhere? Totally. Thank you, Roback. We appreciate you. All right. Well, we're back. So, Darth, you have come a very long way in, a, in as far as trading careers go in a relatively short period of time and you would credit that all to your ability to learn how to be competitive and focus on your process and follow your rules and all of that came from being a like collegiate athlete that that you've taken those habits into trading would you say that's correct yeah i'd say that's completely correct i'd say that the the, the bridge to consistency for a lot of traders is a lot closer than they think. Um, for example, right, everyone, I'm pretty sure everyone understands Ripster's EMA clouds. Like everyone's seen them in action. Everyone kind of knows how they work. Um, if you do use them, I don't. Like I said, I, I trade naked price action. I don't really think there's there's much separating, you know, the average retail trader from from having the ability to trade that system from somebody else that trades that system. I think the discipline to only take the setups that you predefine for yourself as high quality setups, the, the discipline to follow your rules day in and day out, and the discipline to approach your process and your system with the mindset of attempting to be a super performer and holding yourself accountable. I, th I really do believe that's what separates consistent from inconsistent once you have a system with a positive expectancy. I would buy that. And I think that based on all the psychology experts that we have interviewed and the the traders that we've interviewed who are truly truly successful and consistent i do think you don't hear a ton of successful traders who are like well i just go i just feel it out i like this setup i mean that's very very rare so I completely agree. I, I think when people say, hey, what do you do? I, well, I'm a large cap momentum trader that strictly trades supply and demand zones. If I'm going to trade the trend, I wait for an intraday pullback and I don't buy breakouts. That's what works for me. Um, 
most most people really str- i mean they, they bounce from system to system and, and they never come up with with one thing that specifically works for them i think i saw rodessa tweet the other day he's like i'm a professional day trader and i trade flags 99 percent of the time um and and that's what i mean when i say complexity is the enemy of execution right somebody is intelligent as Rodessa that, that views the market as abstractly as he does understands very clearly that he has an edge and a system that works for him and that deviating from that doesn't really make any sense so at that point it's your job to to be accountable and to be responsible and to and to psychologically execute to the best of your ability i have also said so many times on the podcast the power in my own life that came from I really struggled when I started paint I am a painter and I really struggled when I started painting with saying I'm a painter I'm also a photographer I've never ever ever struggled saying I'm a photographer I was born a photographer I'm a very good photographer that is like that I know that and then I started painting and I really couldn't say I'm an artist because it wasn't specific enough but I didn't feel like I could take ownership in saying I'm a painter and then when I finally did feel comfortable saying I'm a painter it was such a game changer for me and then there was another game changing time when I decided that I could say I'm a trader but I think I would still struggle a little bit I mean I earlier in this episode I had no problem being like oh I am an options trader but I think that there is power in what you're doing and breaking it down even for like, I'm not just an options trader. I am an options trader that does X, Y, and Z and does not do this. And that like knowing that saying that it's like an elevator pitch, right? You like, you become that thing. It completely I might is, work on that. I might yeah, that... put up a little sign of exactly mm-hmm. who I am as a trader and work on that. I think that that's a great, a great thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it's about. And I, and I think that a lot of this stuff is, is it's not even necessarily trading specific, right? I, um, if anyone that listens is familiar with Tom Hogard, he's a high stakes futures trader. He's, he's Dutch. Um, and he also gets very, very, very in depth with trading psychology. And I've seen his trading office and he has a, a quote on it that says, um, do sharks care that it's Monday? No, they wake up, they eat shit. And they're a shark. Right. Um, Love that quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, the irony in it is that it's it's about as true as it gets, right? Like, I am a supply and demand options trader that has a very specific system and way of viewing the market. I've, I've come to that ex- acceptance about myself. The way that I trade, it's not for everyone. And the way that everyone else trades might not be for me. But the minute you take accountability for your process and say, like, you know, are, are you are you trying to master swing trading? Or are you trying to master scalping? Are you trying to master being a day trader? Or are you trying to master equities? And, and or and then when AMC starts ripping right now, all of a sudden you're a meme stock trader. It's like, I don't really, I'm able to do what I do so effectively because I simply don't care. I don't care about the news. I don't care what's ripping today. I have three to five stocks in my watch list that I watch pretty much every single day. I know that I'm going to trade SPY and QQQ first primarily. And if Apple, AMD, and NVIDIA have good price action and the setups are good, sometimes Tesla and Amazon, then those are setups that I'm more than happy to watch if they provide me a high quality trade. If not, there's nothing out. I mean, Elon Musk himself could text me and say that he's buying Tesla stock and and it, it wouldn't matter because the price action is what I'm watching. You know, that's That's what I know. And I don't try to deviate from that. AMD is just the sexiest stock. Yeah, I I was actually so <laughs> I was actually in calls on the 80 break right before I got on the podcast with you and we we're in Discord. I was like, if these start ripping, someone's gonna have to text me because <laughs> I don't I don't think they did. But uh, yeah, AMD, I, I love trading AMD. It's a lovely follow through stock, and it it makes bigger moves in my opinion than like the Qs or Spy. It follows through and my favorite thing about amd is like if it dumps it like really falls it's not like oh maybe oh, i'll yeah, fall maybe yeah. i'll fall maybe it's like knives and bear yeah. flags which are not supply and demand but 
my favorite setup is a bear flag. I love a bear flag so much. And like mm-hmm. you get AMD and a good bear flag and it's just like waterfall. It's such a good stock. I completely agree. And I think that's sometimes where people get supply and demand trading confused, right? Because like in the beginning of this bear market or in the midst of it, um, we'd see 3% down days on the Qs or SPY, but AMD would be down 9%. Supply and demand is a contextual style of trading. So what that tells me is sellers are completely in control today. So yeah, I'm probably going to take every bear flag that provides me a high, you know, high probability minimal risk setup. But that's because the concepts of supply and demand, right? Sellers are obviously in control of the trend. I've identified the trend. Now it's my job to minimize my risk and execute. And, and that's the thesis of supply and demand. And AMD is a very beautiful stock and it actually respects supply and demand very well too. It also, like, I don't think it has, I don't know this for sure, I'm sure you do, but I don't think its percentage in QQQ is as high as an Apple or a Microsoft. But like, I think that AMD will lead a QQQ move. Yeah, AMD's personality is, yeah, it doesn't have the weight like the Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla do, um, but its personality is large. So if you've traded it, that's the best way to describe it. It has a large personality. Like even Tesla has this way where Tesla really likes to make higher lows and lower highs to the point where it coils so much that it's like on the verge of breaking out and then it sees really explosive moves really quickly. Um, AMD likes to see a ton of continuation to both directions when the market is seeing trend days and it's that's why it's always on my watch list. Totally. It's like a little secret, like not like a secret. People love AMD, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's like my superpower because No, yeah, it's great. It's mm-hmm. just like if AMD is weak, you can almost bet that it's gonna make the Q's weak and then the whole market will pull down. It I just I don't know that to be true, but I know that from trading it. And it's just like that's what causes the continuation is it'll like pull everything down and then it goes Ooh, i can stop wow you really got me on a topic i like a lot of relative strength mm-hmm. no, it had a lot of relative strength today too so it'll be on watch next week yeah i almost took puts on amd at the open because i thought it was gonna be a downtrend day only mm-hmm. because I'm always looking for a downtrend day. I love it. It's my it's yeah. like my fav my favorite thing. Um, and I almost did, and then I was like, eh, it's like not been. It's just not been doing it that as much recently. So anyway, I didn't take no, them. Yeah, the market's in a weekly. It's what is it? July twelfth, July fifteenth. Yeah, the market's in a weekly range right now. I think we've got four weeks of consolidation in a row at this point. So we're setting up for a explosive moves during earnings or post FOMC, I believe personally. We'll see. Well, I can't, I can't wait. I would love a break up or down. As a bear. One direction or the other. Yeah, as a bear, I'm slightly hoping that it's down, but I'll take, I'll take anything. Just give me a direction. We, we've got someone in Moneyline named Jay Rose who is, is a perma bear for life. So he'll be thrilled to hear that you're hoping it's gonna go down. Yeah. And, like, I feel kind of bad because people with long-term holdings and stuff, I don't want to, like, root for them to lose money. But I just, like, love a, I love a bear. I wish I had enough capital to just be a straight-up short seller. But for now, just puts. And I, I love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. They, the downside moves so much smoother sometimes. Just Yeah. It's just so lovely. A lot of momentum mm-hmm. to the downside. True. All right, Darth, this has been lovely. I've loved getting to know you. I really resonate with a lot of the mental, you know, on the Penny Lane Pod, we love mental ideas, uh, tricks, hacks. Honestly, I don't know. I'm just going to throw in an extra thing here. I don't know how you feel about biohacking, but I really could not recommend this magic mind thing that is our new sponsor. It has legitimately changed my life and especially the way that I trade. If you're into biohacking, you should try it out. It's the best. I am very into it. I've been into like cold, cold water exposure, breathing techniques, um, I tweeted at you a couple weeks ago about when you're when you're inquiring about microdosing. I'm I'm yeah, very yeah. well versed on 
on all of that. It's very, it's, it's real. It's very effective. All right. Let's talk offline more about the microdosing. I haven't quite and got quite gotten there yet, but I have gotten to the nootropics mm-hmm. part. So I think, I think I'm uh, set up, teed up for a microdosing situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. All right. Well, thank you and have a fantastic weekend. And this has just been, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time. I think that the transparency and, and, and honesty and, and everything that you guys stand for is amazing. I think that we need a lot more of that in, in retail trading and FinTwit. And it is very, very appreciated. And I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to talk to you guys. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you so Thanks. much. Nice to meet you, Darth. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.